Well, good morning, everybody. Yes, I am Sawyer Trapp. I'm an associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. Um, thank you so much for joining us here in person. And if you're joining with us online, thank you so much for jumping on the stream from wherever you are this morning and worshiping as well. Um, before we get started this morning, I uh, just wanted to emphasize that it is our 21 days of prayer starting today. So that's an intentional time that we gather together as a church at the beginning of our year to pray together, to pray for one another, and to also go through those devotional booklets. As Hayden said, they're available on our website at arisedenver.com slash 21 days. And so that's available for a free download. It basically walks you through um, the Sermon on the Mount and various lessons and applications and prayers that we can pray as we start 2022. Um, also, as we get started this morning, um, I'm sure many of you know the many tragedies that have been going on in our community, um, from the shooting in Denver and Lakewood, and then most recently to the fires up in Boulder County. So just wanted to take, take some time this morning and just pray over the people that have been affected by that, um, the communities, the neighborhoods, um, the people who have lost their homes and businesses, and just start off with that this morning as we are in this special 21 days of prayer. So if you join with me in prayer this morning. Um, God, we thank you um, that you are with us even through tragedy and heartbreak, God. That you aren't a God that is absent from that, but you're in the mess and the pain and the hurt. So God, we pray for our neighbors and our friends and family and our community, God, as, as we grieve these tragedies. Um, for lives lost, for things lost in homes and businesses, God. Um, we pray for those that are still fighting these fires, that they would be brought to an end. And as people go back and, and figure out the damage, God, that you would just be with them, that as a community and as a church um, here in Colorado, that we can surround them and love them, care for them, meet needs, God, um, replace what has been lost. Um, God, be with us. Um, be with those that have been affected, God. Give them your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, that they can say that you are still good even when life is not. Um, be with us, love us, care for us, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. This morning we are starting a new series as we're starting a new year as we move into 2022. We're starting this new series, as you saw, As It Is in Heaven which, if you're not familiar, comes from one of the most, if not the most, popular prayer said in churches all throughout the world, some even every Sunday. And if, if you have no understanding or no um, background, even in the church or of Christianity, you've likely heard of this prayer, and it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And it comes out of Matthew 6. And as we start this series, I just wanted to read it all together as we get in the mindset. So it comes out of Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. Um, you can follow along on the screen, or also it's available on the YouVersion Bible app. If you click the more, the three lines, and then click events, and then you can search for our church from there. But it starts off like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And many of you have heard this and said this, perhaps you have it memorized, maybe with a few more thines and, and vows, right? But we know this prayer, and it's where the title of this series comes from. That as we're starting this year, as we're beginning a new year, we're praying that earth would become more and more like heaven. That's not all it says, right? We're also praying that God's will would be done on earth. 
that God's kingdom would come. And throughout this series, we're going to be talking a lot about God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is sometimes referred to in the Bible. And so before we get started, I just want to define what that means, because it's a word, it's a phrase that's tossed around a lot in the Bible and in, a, in church a lot. And all it means is that the will of God is being fulfilled on earth, that God's plan, God's purpose, God's desires would come to fulfillment, that they would happen completely on earth as it is in heaven. And as we start this morning, especially as we're praying over tragedies right here in our own backyard, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, our earth is, is far from heaven. Why is earth so different from the reality of perfection and, and no pain that is presented of heaven in the Bible? The will of God is not done. It seems that the kingdom of God is, is on the back burner. Many people go without their daily bread. Perhaps you're waiting for forgiveness from somebody this morning. Perhaps you need to forgive somebody this morning. And I don't have to tell you that temptation abounds. And it seems that the evil one is ruling and reigning. That our world is filled with pain and suffering and hurt and disease and problems, both externally and even internally in our own lives, in our own wrestlings, in our own struggles. As we look out, perhaps with hope for a new year, we're struck with a world that is far, far from heaven. And so what do we do? As we posited, this series is all about making heaven more and more like earth. Jesus has claimed it in his most powerful prayer. In his most memorable prayer, the one that the world knows. People not, may not know about the Bible, but they know the Lord's Prayer. And are we left with a claim that falls short? With wishful thinking? Because I think what often happens is, is when we're struck with the reality that our world is far from heaven, we turn to one of two extremes. First, many of you, and maybe, maybe you this morning, you turn towards activism. When you see a world that's hurting, that's in pain, you say, I'm going to step up and try and fix things. You're going to give, you're going to serve, you're going to donate. You're going to help those in need. You're going to try to make the world a better place. You're going to vote. You're going to write to your congresspeople. You're going to try to push those in authority to make good decisions. We've got to make the world more like heaven, right? And maybe on the other side of the coin, or maybe in other moments, we turn towards apathy. That when we look at the reality of our world, the pain, the hurt, we say, you know what? How can I, as one person, make a difference? I got to protect mine. I got to protect my family and make sure they're okay. I got to look after myself. How can I make a difference with the rest of the world? Who knows what's going to happen? It's all gone. And so we throw up our hands and we turn to apathy. But even though they're opposites, both of those extremes are rooted in our own power. Yes, the power to make things better, we can make a difference. We do serve, we do donate. We can make a difference. But we're still faced with a world of problems. And even giving up and turning to your own devices and trying to protect what's yours is all rooted in your power. You say, hey, if I can't fix the world, then 
who knows what's going to happen. And so I think we live in this misconception that it's all up to us. And this isn't a new problem. Uh, The great philosopher in the 1800s, Nietzsche, said that God is dead. And God remains dead. And we have killed him. And Nietzsche was basically looking out at the the world of Europe in the 1880s, and he was seeing the loss of faith and morality, and he was saying, you know what, it's living as if God is dead. Faith is gone, and who knows what's going to happen. And since then, I don't have to tell you that it seems, at least on the surface, that things have gotten worse, not better. And so we look out in the world and we're, we're trying to deal with it with our own power, our own, our own abilities, our own strength. But as we start this year, I want this to be true of us, that we don't settle for our own willpower, but that we find power in God's will, that we find power in God's will that we root our lives and our strength and our ability in the power of God's kingdom, the fulfillment of his will on earth. And so this morning, we're going to walk through three contrasts between our willpower and that of God's power. Because there's a huge amount of difference between the things that we can do, the abilities that we have, and what God can do, and what God is able to do. And so this morning, we're going to walk through these comparisons, and I I hope it gives you hope. I hope as we enter this year, we don't have to rely on ourselves because we fall short, but we can trust in the God of the universe. And so our first comparison is this, talk versus true power. One of the accusations that we throw against people over and over again is that they don't back up their words with action, right? We can all finish the phrase that actions speak louder than words. That's right. We can talk a big game. We can say we can do stuff. We can post online. But when push comes to shove, when things get difficult, are we actually able to make things better? Can we live up to the standards that we talk about ourselves? Or do we all fall into hypocrisy? not living up to the things that we say we can do. Because as much as we might want to critique others for not doing this, we all have this problem. Whether you're here in person or watching online or watching this message months later, or you're me, we all have this problem. We talk a bigger game than we can back up. We want the world to be better and we post online and we raise awareness, but what are we doing to make it better? Or we might want the world to be a better place when things get difficult, when we have to get messy, when we have to be uncomfortable. Can we really back up our words with actions? And for so many of us, we often fall short. Our willpower is not enough. But the opposite is true of our God, the God of the universe the God that literally spoke things into being with his words. That's power. I I love the way that Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians. He's just so blunt about it. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 
The kingdom of God, God's will being made fulfilled on earth is not about talking, it's about doing, it's about working, it's about power. This word power is actually the Greek word dunamis, which through a long line of language switches is actually where we end up with our modern word dynamite. That that's what we should think of when we think of the power of God, like a powerful explosion able to break rocks. That the power of God isn't just potential, it isn't just talk, it isn't just like an unlit stick of dynamite. It's an explosion of power that God backs up what he says he's going to do. That God has the ability to actualize the reality that he desires. That God can literally speak things into existence. The God that we worship, the God of the Bible, is a God of power. When I was growing up, my family and I would always sit down together and watch a a couple of shows together as a family, and one of those shows was Home Improvement. And if you're not familiar with Home Improvement, you see Tim Taylor up there on on the screen. And Tim Taylor was a a host of a TV show in, in the TV show. It was like kind of meta, but the TV show, and it was called Tool Time. And what would happen was it was a home improvement show. And they would be showing you how to do something to your home, like painting or um, creating a fence or doing some yard work. And inevitably what would happen is, is Tim would build this ridiculous contraption to make it faster, to make it better, to create more power. It was his catchphrase, right? And so he would, he would elevate that paint sprayer to go like ridiculously fast. Or he would put a, a car engine on a weed whacker. And that's the image that we should have of God. It's not that God is just limited with the tools that we have, but God can do so much more than we can imagine. God's like a weed whacker attached to a car engine compared to our rinky-dink battery-powered one. We should think of God as having more power, true power, the power that only you and I can't even imagine. And so though we are just people that are talking, that can't even live up to our own claims, God is someone who beats our wildest imagination. Talk is not the God that we serve. It's a God of true power. And so the second comparison I want to make this morning is rooted in limited versus unlimited. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? As we're in this beginning of the year, maybe you just made one, maybe it was your last minute decision. You can go ahead and raise your hand if you're in person, if you're a New Year's uh, resolution person. If you're online, you can comment, hey, I made a resolution. Maybe leave a comment, get some support for you as you're starting it off. But about 60% of Americans make a New Year's resolution every year. And if that's you, then I don't want to dishearten you, but only about 8% of people actually achieve their New Year's resolutions. Less than 1 in 10 people actually achieve the goal that they made for themselves because nobody's putting that resolution on you. You decide it, you pick it, you get to set the bounds, you get to set the terms. But only about 8% of people actually achieve it. And this is not to dishearten you even at the beginning of your New Year's resolution. This is just to show that our power is limited. 
We can only be at one place in one time, both in our location and when we're living in history, right? We can train, we can work out, but we can only gain so much strength. We can only run so fast. We can only have so many browsers open, so many tabs open in our browser. We can only answer so many phone calls. We can only do so much. And that's true not only of us in this room, that's true of the greatest athlete, the greatest scientist, the most intelligent person has ever lived. We're all limited. But our God is not. Our God is not bound by sleep or tiredness. He's not bound by running out of energy. He's not even bound by location and time. God is all places at once. The God that we serve has unlimited power. And it's not due to some pill that like in the movie Limitless, God is naturally, his natural state is unlimited power. It's who God is. The psalmist in in Psalms 147 verse 5 put it this way. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. His understanding is beyond our understanding. So even as we look to the, the people who are the best as a human race, the fastest person on earth, the best athlete, the person who will eventually cure cancer, the smartest scientist, those fail in comparison to our God, a God who is even beyond our comprehension, that even the smartest person on earth, the best person who can do the math the fastest, can't even get close to understanding God. His power is absolute and amazing. And I think we often don't live like that, though. We fall into the trap of thinking it's only our power that's going to make things better in the world. That if we want our life to improve, we got to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and start getting to work and make it better. But that's falling into the trap of settling for our willpower. What if this year was the year that we said it's not up to us, but it's up to God? What if this was the year that we didn't just fall into the same patterns, the same habits, the same routines, and we allowed ourselves to get a little uncomfortable and say, God, I don't know what you have planned this year, but I know you have something amazing planned, and it's going to be powerful. I think someone who understand this was George Lyle. And if you're unfamiliar with George Lyle, there's a picture of him up on the screen. But George was actually the first missionary from the United States, the first missionary who was sent from the U.S. to another country. And it happened all the way back in the early 1800s. Most impressively, not even that George was the first missionary from the United States, but that George didn't let the circumstances of his life decide what God was going to do through him. Because in 1750, George was born into slavery. He was taught to read and to write by his slave owners, but he was still enslaved. And through an amazing series of events, he hears the gospel, he hears the good news, and he is captivated by who Jesus is. And he becomes a follower of Jesus. He becomes a Christian. 
And throughout that process, he begins to talk to his slave owners, and they see the real faith that he has, and he's eventually freed. And George Lyle, beyond, before becoming the first missionary, he becomes the first African-American uh, minister in the Baptist church and raises up a huge congregation of former slaves and even currently enslaved peoples sharing the good news with whoever will hear it. And despite his success, even in the environment of the U.S. and the society that he was living in, the pressures and degrading life that he had, he knew that God could use him still. And sadly, the, the son of his former masters come and they try to re-enslave him, which is the push that eventually moves him to flee to Jamaica. And through the assistance of people in his church and the community, he gets enough money to flee with his family to Jamaica. And you think would after all that he would bend who, he would be like, all right, I'm done being used by God. I just need to relax. But no. He said, God's not done with me yet. God's power is still good enough for me to be used. And he takes a, and starts another church there in Jamaica. And from the time of his death in 1838, the amount of believers in Jamaica goes from 8,000 to over 20,000 people. George Lyle shows us what God's power can do. That God's power is not limited or controlled by circumstance or our society or who we are or our ethnicity or what society puts on us. It isn't even controlled by the problems of our world. God's power can do amazing, impossible things through us and in us. Paul says that God's power is made perfect in weakness. And if you're weak this morning... God can use you. God used George Lyle to witness to people both in the United States and in Jamaica that lives were transformed because of one man's faith in the unlimited power of God. Imagine what God could do through the people in this room, through the people watching online, that if we decided as a church, as a community, to say we're not going to be limited by what society puts on us, by the pressures that we put on ourselves, by who we are, by our circumstances, because God's power is unlimited. Imagine what 2022 could look like. As it said in the video, we might strive, we might push, we might push for a whole year, but God could do more in two seconds than we could do in all of 2022. So God's power isn't just talk, it's true power. God's power isn't limited, it's unlimited. And you would think with all that power and ability and strength that God would seek to use that power to get people to control, to worship him, to be obedient. And yes, God does call us to obedience, but it's not out of a secret to control or using his power, it's out of selflessness. Because what do we do with our power? Even if we just have a limited amount of power to make decisions in our life, or maybe you have kids and you have power over them, or, or maybe you're a boss and you're, you have employees, or we can look to our law enforcement and our government and authorities that have power over us. No matter what sort of power we have, what we do with it is often to serve ourselves. It's to serve our interests what we desire, to make sure the people that we care about are okay. 
The popular phrase is that power corrupts, right? But I, I think the American novelist got it right. William Gladys, when he says, power doesn't corrupt people, people corrupt power. Because what we do is we take the authority or the power that we have, the ability to make decisions, the ability to make change, and we often just make it so we can make our lives better, so we can serve our interests, so we can make sure that the people that we care about are okay. But what God does is different. The last comparison I want to make this morning is that we often use our power in selfish ways, but God is selfless. Despite having unlimited power, more power than we can comprehend or imagine, God uses it not to serve his own interests, but the interests of others. Not to control people and demand obedience, but to invite people to a better life. Not to make himself comfortable, but to actually be uncomfortable. It says in, in Romans 8.32, that God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God, in his ability and unlimited power, could have demanded obedience. But he chose to create creatures that didn't automatically obey him, but invited them to a better life. And say, I have the best way of living. This is the best way of living. Jesus says, I have life and life to abundant. And yet we chose differently, right? But God didn't give up on us. God sent Jesus, born as that baby in a manger that we celebrate on Christmas, to change everything, to live the life that we couldn't, to show us how to love, to care for those that are less fortunate and forgotten and marginalized to heal, to do miracles. And despite being perfect, despite having God's authority and power, he gave it all up on the cross for our sins. And through him, through that amazing gift of Jesus, we can now declare that we have God's power. We can be forgiven for the things that we've done, the ways we live opposite to God's will. And we can live that better life. God, with all of his power, with the ability to do whatever he wanted according to his will, decided to give up Jesus as a sacrifice for you and for me. And if that's what true power looks like, man, we got a long way to go. Because as we look out at our world, we look in the mirror even at our own heart, our power is so often used for us, for what we want, for our needs. And so often when we have power, whether it's small or whether it's big, we use it in ways that often push people aside. We forget about those that are less fortunate than us. We forget about those that are in pain, who've experienced tragedy and hurt. And we end up with a society where people and individuals are looked down upon, oppressed, or marginalized for whatever reason. Power hasn't corrupted us. We've corrupted power. So if we're going to look at this new year, if we're going to make heaven, if we're going to make earth like heaven, if we're going to live like the God who gave up Jesus as a sacrifice for us all, 
If that's going to be our example, then we have to start wielding our power in a way that doesn't serve our interests, but the interests of others. Because beyond God having all of these ability and power and true power and unlimited power and selfless power, he invites us into that. He says, come, live into that power. Grow the kingdom here in Denver, in Green Valley Ranch, in Aurora, in Colorado, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. That if we are followers of Jesus, that we are invited in to grow the kingdom right here. And not through our own power, but through God's power. That we don't have to settle for our own willpower, but we're invited into the better life to experience true power and unlimited power found in God's will. But you might be sitting there or listening to this message and asking, if God has that unlimited power, that God can actualize what he says he wants to do, then why is our world still so bad? Why isn't earth like heaven? That's God's will, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said it right there in the prayer that we all know. Although sadly... Though the kingdom of God has come, it is not yet fulfilled, right? The kingdom of God is God's will on earth being fulfilled. And as long as there are people that are living opposite to God's will, then we're going to have pain. As long as there are people who use their power in ways that are different from the way that God uses them in selfless ways, there's going to be suffering, And as long as we look at our hearts and we see there are ways that even we are living opposite to God's will, the kingdom of God isn't fulfilled. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be heartbreak. But we can still hold on to hope. Because we can look forward to the kingdom of God being fulfilled that God's will fully being actualized on earth, where earth and heaven will no longer be separated, but they'll become one. So this morning, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're grieving, if you're looking forward to the next year and you're saying, man, I don't know what 2020 holds, but I am not looking forward to it. If that's you this morning, then you can rest in God's perfect will. That God is not satisfied with the world the way that it is. That God is not satisfied with our sin and being, us being separated from him. That when God looks with the world, he says, I'm not done with it yet. That we can look forward to a time where there shall not be any more tears, any more pain, any more tragedy. That God's will and perfection will be complete. And maybe this morning, maybe as you look forward to the next year, you can look forward to hope. You look forward and you say, I got some optimism. Things are actually going pretty good for me. I have a job. I have a roof over my head. I can do what I want, generally speaking, and, and God has blessed me powerfully. 
Maybe this morning you get to experience just a foretaste, a glimpse into the perfection of the kingdom of God. Because as good things happen, as blessings come, as relationships are mended, we're reminded what God is still doing in our world today. God hasn't given up, and he's still inviting more and more people to not live by their own power, but to trust in his power. And so as we look forward to 2022, as we declare and try to make earth more and more like heaven, we know that we can't do it alone, that we don't have to settle for willpower, but we can trust in God's power. So as we wrap up, I just want to pray these words over you, these words over our year, over our community, over our world. God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you that you are not done with us yet. We thank you that you haven't given up. That when you look out in the world, you aren't scared, you aren't intimidated, but you got it handled. God, we pray that you would make your kingdom come more and more on earth, that dark places will be made bright, that what is old and broken will be made new, that relationships will be mended, that forgiveness will be given, that lives will be transformed. God, we know we can't do it alone. Our power is not enough, but yours is. God, remind us of that all the more. Work through us and in us to build your kingdom here in Denver, in Colorado, and to the ends of the earth. God, be with those that are grieving. Give them more and more glimpses of your kingdom, a foretaste of the amazing goodness that is to come. God, and for all of us, let us rest knowing that you hold all things in your hands. 